Our gospel lesson this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And if you're following along at home and you happen to have a Bible handy, I invite you to join along with me. What I'm going to do is share some of the gospel lesson and then, um, and then preach from that as well, of course. But the lesson will be um, broken up as we go along this morning. And so the first section here is John chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So he, meaning Jesus, came to a Samaritan city called Sashar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. It goes without saying, of course, for all of us, that water is essential to human life. And while we see a mysterious shortage of bottled water on our grocery store shelves, and while our Exodus lesson reminded us of people quarreling because there was no water. We usually, usually, live in a time and in a land where we don't otherwise have to think too much about water and where it comes from. It flows through the taps whenever we need a drink or to wash our hands or to take a shower. That obviously was not true in the life and times of Jesus. Water came from wells. It had to be brought up out of the well by hand with a rope and a bucket, and then carried back home to use for cooking and washing. In American life, going to the well is not an everyday occurrence. In a minute, we'll think of some similarities in our own lives, but especially because so many of our members here at Good Shepherd in Dale City, Virginia, are actually from Africa, particularly West Africa, Going to the well is actually a familiar activity. Last summer for Vacation Bible School, our theme was Roar, which uh, took place, had lessons about animals who are from Africa, but we talked a bit about people who live in Africa and their lives as well. And our administrative assistant, who I'm going to embarrass a little bit, but she's lovely, Doreen Nkrumah is from Ghana, and last summer She shared a little bit about what it was like to live and grow up in Ghana and have to go and fetch water today. So I thought I'd invite her to share a little bit. So if you can make sure you're on camera or go to the mic, that's fine too. So Doreen, what was it like growing up in Ghana and what what would it mean to go and get the water for the day? Um, First of all, it was a chore because it was what you have to do as a child. So fetch water for every member of the family to bath, drink, and um, yeah. So we usually go call our friends, then get our buckets or pans or gallons and go to the well or borehole and then get get the water for every, every member of the family. But um, the key thing was Sometimes you go with your friends, you can gossip, you can play, you can do your be updates, do your laundry, yeah. do your dishes. Yeah. So it was a community building kind of. So you had a way of, of doing your chores, but yes. sharing in the work Sharing too. with other. Yes, exactly. Thank you. My pleasure. Jimmy, our um, music coordinator is from Liberia. Do you have similar experiences growing up in Liberia? Uh, pretty much from the same region, and uh, we share a lot of similarities. 
water, of course, the essential, number one essential for life. Without water, I think there is no life. Uh, we see what's happening now in our world. I grew up to, it was a wonderful thing, uh, getting water from the well. With buckets, sometimes you had to hold both buckets uh, in both hands and come up some hills, because most times the wells were not actually around the house area, it was far off. And the purpose of that was to eventually have pump drive the water into your house. And um, we were very excited when the centers on water. We saw it like running an errand because we had the opportunity to play and kind of kill time. Of, but of course, when we spent too much of time, um, we got chastised because our mm -hmm. parents knew exactly that we took that uh, opportunity to play around. But it was a wonderful experience and uh, water, as uh, she said, the same thing in Liberia was used to clean up, wash up, provide other services in the home, like taking care of the dishes and stuff like that. At nighttime, just before night, we were told to get water from the well for morning uh, choices and stuff like that because um, early in the morning we had to go to school, so obviously no one had time to run to the well to get water, so we did our work in the evening time in preparations for morning operations. Thank you. So going to the well to get water was something you really planned your whole life around, right? Your whole your whole day. One of the things I find that interesting about that is that it wasn't just a chore, but it was a way to stay connected in your community as well. Uh, we sometimes refer to these places as, as third spaces, spaces that aren't work or school or aren't home, but are places where people gather, um, sometimes to do something like a chore or to do something fun, but a way that we connect. And so I wonder for us here in America, in, in Woodbridge, in Dale City, where are some of those places that we go? Um, I'm thinking for my own self and experience and past places that I remember in other areas might have been the laundromat where people would gather. And I think very similar to being at the well, do laundry together, and, but also of course catch up on the news and latest gossip. It might be a hair salon or a nail salon or a barber shop. It might be a McDonald's where people would gather to get coffee. Um, or even a gas station for the same thing where people might go and gather to get coffee. And so I wonder for the group of us in the room if you have other ideas of, of places here or places in your past that you can think of where people gather um, and experience community as they're gathering. When I was growing up uh, after school, a lot of times we would link up in front of the uh, local mom and pop grocery store where we bought candy and soda and chips and things like that. So that's what we did, after, I remember particularly in middle school um, and in high school, McDonald's was the more likely link up. But some of the old men in the community would uh, gather on the steps of the county courthouse and uh, you could almost always find a group of old men hanging out there and telling stories. In the community I came from before Dale City, we had a gas station that was right across the street from, from the parsonage from my house and that's where the older men mostly would gather and, and share everything from community news to political opinions and, and all sorts of things. I know we have folks that gather here at Potomac Mills Mall sometimes early in the morning and walk, and that's a way that they stay connected and, and see what's going on and, and all of that sort of thing. I think that church can be a place like that too, right? When, when we are able to gather all together, we, we connect, we draw inspiration and strength together um, we share opinions about what's going on in the world, um, like it or not, right? We talk about 
politics and current events and those sort of things. And we also share what's going on in our own lives. We find out who's in the hospital and, and who's getting better or who's traveling or who has a new grandchild. And there are all sorts of different ways that we stay connected. We don't just come to church for the worship experience, but we come also to literally connect with one another and to share and to have those conversations. And so in a day like today, it's especially odd to think about those communal gathering spaces because we're thinking about them in new ways. We're thinking about what are the safe ways to gather and to be together, but not too close together or too frequently together as a community. And so I wonder what our well is today, um, and today especially and in the coming weeks. Um, many of us are gathered together on Facebook. That's one of the places where we are gathered right now, we have a, a WhatsApp group, which serves as a bit of community. And we're seeking what are different ways, especially for people who don't have internet access. Um, what phone calls can we make? What, what ways can we check in and make sure that we are connected and make sure that we're taking care of one another as well? Since Jesus is at the well, the writer of John wants us to know for sure that Jesus is at the well, because wells are significant, not only for water and human survival and community and life engagement, but also important because important moments in scripture often happen at wells. You may recall that when Hagar ran away from Abraham and Sarah with her son Ishmael, the angel of the Lord found her at a spring, a source of water. And she was the first person to offer a name to God. She said, El Roy, the God who sees me. Later, Abraham's servant, in looking for a wife for his son, Isaac, would meet Rebecca at the well, praying for a sign with regards to the water that she would offer. Later, one of the sons of Isaac and Rebecca, Joseph, was thrown into a dry well because of by his brothers. Wells are places of dramatic interaction and revelation that change the course of history for the people of Israel. All of which is to say that when Jesus comes to a well at noon, our ears should prick up and we should pay attention because we know something important is going to happen. But this isn't just a story of that one time Jesus went to a well because he met a woman there, and they had a life-changing encounter. The Gospel of John continues with verse 7. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said, are you greater than it and the well is deep? Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. So we find that Jesus is alone because his disciples have gone on into town to buy food. And he begins a conversation with this particular woman by asking her for a drink. We learn in her response that she finds it odd that a Jewish man would ask her, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. We may recall that Jews and Samaritans were not known for getting along, had a religious difference over holy sites, should you worship God on a mountain or in Jerusalem. And so Jesus and the Samaritan woman have a conversation about water, literal water at first as Jesus is asking her for a drink but he spins it quickly to a spiritual metaphor. He tells her that instead she should be asking him for a drink. Now, frankly, it almost sounds like a bad pickup line here. And like any response to a bad date, she is doubtful. You have no bucket and the well is deep. Part humor, part insult. But in all seriousness, she reconsiders because if Jesus is offering water, water that means you never have to drink again or even come to the well, then her answer is yes, please. Thinking perhaps that this still is water that would quench a physical thirst and need. But then the tone shifts to one of revelation and Jesus gets to his ultimate teaching. Starting with verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus answered to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For those who worship seek such as these to worship him. God in spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? So why was he speaking to her? He mentions her five husbands and the sixth man who is not a husband. And even though the church throughout the centuries has labeled this woman a sinful woman, Jesus does not offer judgment. It's entirely possible that one or more of her husbands could have died. It's also likely, since women could not even initiate divorce, that more than one husband had divorced her for any reason. Nothing implies that she must have been sinful other than that we all are sinful. She might have felt abandoned or cast aside and certainly ashamed. But Jesus doesn't tell her to go and sin no more. He simply reveals something about herself. Remember the name that Hagar gave to God? El Roy, the God who sees me. 
Jesus points out that the disagreement that Jews and Samaritans have over places to worship doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter, he says, because soon we will worship in spirit, not on the mountain, and not in Jerusalem. A reminder to us as well in these times that we do not have to be in a sanctuary. We do not have to be in a church building to be church and to worship God. Verse 28. Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not even know about. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete this work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Jesus, again, takes something literal like food with his disciples asking if he has eaten and turns it into a spiritual meaning. The woman shared her story, her encounter of Jesus, and because of her, because of her testimony, because of her witness, because of her story, many more people in her community came to know God. He told me everything I have ever done, she said. Jesus knew her, the God who sees. He knew everything, and even in knowing everything, he offered her living water. While we were yet sinners, Jesus offered himself to us, his love, his grace, his salvation. This is good news for anyone who has ever felt cast aside or like a nobody because Jesus already knows. He knows who we are and where we've been and what we've done, and he doesn't turn away from us. He reveals himself to us and offers us living water. Just like with the woman, Jesus is patient with her and he's patient with us, willing to explain metaphors and teach, and he does so in a kind way. We have the same assurance even if we feel like failures, even if we have sinned and fallen short, even if we are afraid right now. Jesus offers us living water, the bread of life, a wellspring of eternal life and hope. Even in the midst of great uncertainty, Jesus is here with us, reminding us that regardless of where we are or how we gather, we worship him in spirit and in truth. We are always together, united with God, and never alone.
May God bless you and keep you. Amen. As a response, we will sing, just came from the fountain. Jimmy, what page is that? just come from the fountain I've just come from the fountain Lord I've just come from the fountain but I'm so sweet oh Lord I've just come from the fountain I've just come from the fountain Lord I've just come from the fountain his name's so sweet oh brother do you love Jesus yes yes I do love my Jesus brother do you love Jesus his name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I've just come from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I've just come from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Oh, sister, do you love Jesus? Yes, yes, I love him, my Jesus. Sister, do you love Jesus? His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I've just come from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Oh, Lord, I've just come from the fountain. I've just come from the fountain. Lord, I've just come from the fountain. His name's so sweet. Oh, sinner, do you love Jesus? Love my Jesus, sister, you love Jesus, his name's so sweet. Oh Lord, I've just come from the fountain, I've just come from the fountain, Lord, I've just come from the fountain, his name's so sweet. Oh Lord, I've just come from the fountain, I've just come from the fountain, Lord, I've just come from the fountain, his name's so We enter into a time of prayer this morning, and I invite you, wherever you are, to be comfortable and to center yourselves for this time of prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, creator of love and light, we thank you for the world that you have created. We thank you for the plants and the signs of springtime. We thank you for all of your creatures. We thank you for your goodness and beauty and love. We thank you for the gift of your presence, knowing as we gather in groups of two or three or are alone, that you are still with us, that we are still together within your great love. We pray this morning in this time of fear and uncertainty 
for your wisdom and discernment. Help us to make wise decisions. Guide us in ways to help our neighbors and the vulnerable among us and those in the margin whose lives are in deep uncertainty. Help us to have patience rather than panic. Help us to be calm and careful. Send courage and strength to all of those who are working tirelessly, those who simply cannot stay at home and telework, those in healthcare and first responders, those working out in the world and community to care for the rest of us, those who are at risk because of their work. Be with the children who are restless. Be with the families who are scrambling to find childcare. Be with all of those who are figuring out how to do work and business and school and life in a different way. We offer our prayers to all of those who are sick, to those who are healing. Our prayers to those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We remember, too, that even though our focus has been on this present pandemic, that pain and grief and loss and fear have existed long before this. We pray for all of those people and situations that are on our hearts and minds. The long list of names on our prayer list. The people near and dear to us. The people far away, the people who are unknown to us all of those situations that weigh heavily upon us during this time and always. We offer up those concerns. We offer up those fears. We pray for you to heal this world spiritually. We pray for your peace to reign. We pray for your comfort and your presence for all of us. And together we pray, as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, for thine us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>